The following is a message by the Reverend Ted Hamilton from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, please visit us online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Good morning. Good to, good to be with you all. If you've ever been involved in sports, you know that coaches like to go back to the basics, even for uh, players with great skill. Uh, a good coach will often take even the most uh, experienced players back to the basics. And so this morning, as you begin a new semester, uh, as you begin to uh, delve deeply into the deeper things of the faith and what a privilege you all have. Uh, I thought this morning it would be a good idea as you start your studies to uh, go back to the basics for a few minutes. I have two short scripture readings uh, for the message this morning. Uh, the first one is from John's Gospel, which record the final moments of Jesus' life as he hung on, the Roman, on that Roman cross, the words we just sang, as a matter of fact, John 19, verses 28 through 30. And then I want to jump forward to Colossians chapter 1 and look at verses 21 through 23 as we sort of work out what the ramifications are of Jesus' words, it is finished. So the first scripture from John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And then if you'll flip ahead to Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is God's inerrant and infallible word. Well, as you start your studies this semester, I want to ask you a simple question. Who do you believe in? Now, don't be too quick to answer that question. Don't do like my son used to do when he was a lot shorter when in body and in hair. I don't, those of you who know my son know that he's six foot eight and has hair down to here. Uh, and every time I comment on his hair, he pulls out that particularly damning pair, uh, photograph of me in college. With, with hair very much like that. 
But don't do uh, like my son used to do um, during family devotions when, when the answer to every question was Jesus. Of course, that's true at some level, isn't it, for, for all of us who bear the name of Jesus. But the reality is uh, that at another level, we are men and women who, in Paul's words, chronically move away from the hope held out in the gospel. We say we believe in Jesus, but sometimes we find ourselves functionally believing more in ourselves than we do in Jesus. We know we are to be people who live our lives by faith alone in Jesus alone, uh, and yet too often we live by faith in our faith in Jesus alone. Our hearts, at least my heart, relentlessly converts faith in Jesus into a work. And when we do that, uh, we shrink the gospel and we live in a way that denies the power of all that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Am I right? As you start this new semester, examine your own heart. Some of you, I suspect, are beginning the semester uh, with confidence and a sense of satisfaction. But what is that confidence and satisfaction based on? Is it based on uh, past successful performance here? Is it uh, based on uh, the fact that your prayer life has been uncommonly steady lately? Or, Or that you've done your devotional reading more consistently? Have you had success recently in battling a persistent temptation? Have you reached a new and deeper understanding of biblical theology? Have you kept your doubts at bay? Some of you are sitting here, though, not starting with that sense of uh, confidence and satisfaction, but more with discouragement, because the flip side of what I've just said is more true of your life, actually. Your prayer life isn't that good. Your devotions have been more absent than present. Temptation has gotten the better of you lately. You've noticed that other people in the seminary seem to know a lot more about theology and the Bible than you do. You've been wrestling with doubts and questions. You see, once you've converted faith in in Jesus into a work, it becomes easy. Uh, as a practical matter, to make it about you and what you do. So your spiritual barometer goes up and down depending upon your success or your lack of success in your job or here at the seminary, how well your children are doing, how problem-free or problem-ridden your marriage may be, uh, how successful you are or unsuccessful you are in finding a marriage partner how healthy or sick you are. Friends, we are brothers and sisters of the one whom Paul called in Colossians the firstborn over all creation and the firstborn from among the dead. We need to remind ourselves as you start this semester and recapture uh, a robust understanding of not only who is on the cross, but what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We need to recapture again the sense of what Jesus meant when he said with his dying breath, it is finished. 
we need to, in the words of one contemporary Christian song, we need to walk in all that Jesus bought on the tree. In the verse right before the passage we just read in Colossians, Paul says that what God was doing by having his son executed was reconciling to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So in one sense, when Jesus said it is finished, he was referring to the cosmic work of making everything right. You know, of unwinding and undoing the damage and the death that sin had brought not only to people, but to planets. But make it more personal. When Jesus said it is finished, what he meant also was that you, you are an individual uh, with a very specific past, a very specific present, and a very specific future. And in the couple of minutes we have remaining, I just want to flesh out what your past, present, and future is as a person saved by Jesus Christ as Paul lays it out in Colossians 1. So what's your past? Colossians 1.21 says you used to be alienated from God. You used to be an enemy of God. You used to be a person with a complex of thought and action that when put up against the perfect holiness of God could only be described as evil. But note well, Note well, all of those of you who know your Greek, uh, that those verbs are in the past tense. This describes what was true of you, not what is true of you now. Doesn't matter what the circumstances of your life are now. You are no longer alienated from God. You were once, you are not now. You're not his enemy. So what is your now? What is your present? Well, the next verse, Colossians 1.22. But now, but now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Paul could not have made it more clear. Right now, regardless of how you feel, regardless of the sophistication of your theological understanding, regardless of the state of your devotional and prayer life, regardless of how much you struggle against temptation, whether you are sick or well, whether your life is easy or hard, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, right now, you, you, are holy in God's sight. You are without a blemish. You are unassailable free from the accusations of anyone and that has nothing to do with what you've done or not done remember what Paul said in Galatians 6 verses 14 and 15 may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the Lord has been crucified to me and I to the world, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. What Paul is at least saying there is that what you do or don't do ultimately doesn't matter in terms of your coming to terms with God. 
What matters is that you become a new creation, and that's precisely something that you and I can't do. We, you have no power, I have no power uh, to make myself what I am not. That's the exclusive domain of God. What matters is what Jesus did. So whether you're starting this semester uh, with a a sense of self-satisfaction or a sense of self-despair, you need to know that both are wrong, both are off base. What you need to be starting this semester with is a profound sense of Jesus' satisfaction. You need to be delighting yourself in what Jesus has finished. So that's your past and that's your present. What's your future? What do you do tomorrow, the next day, besides study? Colossians 1.23, what Paul's saying there really is stay close to Jesus. Stay put right at the foot of the cross. Don't you dare move away from the hope held out in the gospel, and that hope, friends, is personified only in Jesus. Now, from your perspective and from my perspective, that's going to look and feel a lot like perseverance, but what you and I experience as perseverance, God knows as preservation. Your destiny is not up to you. Jesus has taken hold of you. He will get you to the finish line. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already taken hold of me. Now what's that going to look like? Well, it's going to look a lot like what C.S. Lewis said. And I couldn't find the exact quote, so I'll have to paraphrase it. But Lewis said, The more mature he he became in the faith, the better a repenter he became. It's going to look like what John Newton said right at the end of his life, and I will paraphrase again. You know, there are two things I know. I am a great sinner, and Jesus is a great Savior. See, that's, that's it, really. As you grow closer to Jesus, as you continue to hold on to the hope of the gospel, the more ready you're going to be to see your own sin, to forsake your efforts, and to turn once again, daily, turn once again to trust in Jesus and his perfect efforts. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and that's where you and I live Charles Spurgeon said it this way, when a man says, I can pray, I can believe, I can do this, and I can do the other, marks of self-sufficiency and arrogance are on his brow. We hold that a man is never so near grace as when he begins to feel he can do nothing at all. Why is that true? Because it's in that place, it's in that realization that we awaken once again to the truth that Jesus has done it all. So even as you start this new semester, even as you begin your studies, 
Rest your heart, rest your life in Jesus' dying declaration. It is finished. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this school, for the professors who uh, faithfully labor here to uh, teach your word and to educate these men and women in the deeper truths of the faith. And Father, I pray for these men and women, these students, as they come to school with all of the the various demands on their lives, Father, I pray that you will uh, open their eyes and their ears and their hearts to hear and understand your truth. I pray, Father, that their studies will be devotional, that This will not be a naked intellectual exercise here, uh, but a wonderful time of drawing closer to you, of knowing you and loving you in a more profound and deep way. Thank you for the privilege you've given these students. Bless them, protect them as they study. Prosper the work of their hands. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.